Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, body flying and getting stranded. Sometimes in the middle of flight, I kind of catch myself thinking it's like, this is so insane that this is actually possible that I can just be airborne here and, and fly, which is something that so many people dream of. I've been knocked out once in free fall, but I kind of, I was like spaced out for a moment. I remember opening my eyes, realizing that no one's there. And I just like, I I wish that I could still get the experience that I could walk into a wind tunnel and see someone fly for the first time without understanding that at all, because it must be insane to watch. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share, leave a review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So our first guest spends her life flying. Sometimes she has a parachute. Sometimes she doesn't. This is body flyer Inca Cagnasso. Real quick, when we talk about body flying, that can be done both jumping out of an airplane and in a wind tunnel. And during this conversation, we kind of switch back and forth between those. So I just wanted to clarify real quick. What is body flying? Body flying, the term could refer to a few different things. But basically, you're maneuvering in airflow or free fall with your body. Like you end up uh, moving from place to another or doing moves like flips or, or something like this. How did you get into it? I started skydiving first. I really liked it, but it wasn't really like I didn't fall in love with it until I went for the wind tunnel, which is like a something that we use as a tool for skydivers really often to improve your free fall skills. And I'm a dancer from my background. And when I got into the wind tunnel, I was like, all right, this suddenly makes sense. Like this is kind of like a new type of a dance studio or dance floor. Like Whereas before I could do a few skydives a day, get a few minutes of free fall, maybe learn a little bit of something new, suddenly could actually start training and improving my free fall skills and the body flying skills. So I've never skydived because I'm an adrenaline junkie. I've skydived because I was intrigued by the fact that I can use my body and challenge my body in such a new, different way. Um, it's funny because I've flown for a long time and I obviously it's kind of like a, almost an everyday life thing for me now. But sometimes in the middle of flight, I kind of catch myself thinking it's like, this is so insane that this is actually possible that I can just be airborne here in this 
in this weird little tunnel and and fly, which is something that so many people dream of. I think my favorite part of it is that it gives me this insane feeling of presence. And then you very rarely get to do something where you're so, I mean, I guess water sports, but like that you're so connected to a, an element and through that, so connected to your body. When you're doing it, what's the difference versus doing it in the tunnel versus kind of doing it outside? We always move towards where we're heavy at. Like it's all about center of gravity and where we shift our weight. But now it is two completely different sports because in one of them, I jump out of an airplane and the risks are different. And I do need to take other things into consideration than just how my body um, is connected to the airflow. And then in the wind tunnel, it's so much more about just the um, the technical performance side of things because I don't have to worry about my parachute. I don't have to worry about the other flyers in free fall. I don't have to think of this kind of stuff. And and also the risks are are so different. Is it one of those situations, and I'll use an example that I'm familiar with, right? Like I, I used to do a lot of rock climbing and rock climbing in the gym is fun. It's safer. It's great practice. But like the real thing is outside. Is it the same kind of thing? Like the people who are in the sport, do they feel the same way? Some people do. Uh, but again, it depends on what you're interested in. Because now if you're adrenaline driven when you're skydiving and you're looking for that adventurous side of it, um, you're most likely going to prefer skydiving over winter flight. For me, because I'm so driven by the athletic side of it, I can actually push myself more in the wind tunnel. So for me, like it's, that's why I'm more of a wind tunnel girl than I am a skydiver. I do both. I love both, but um, I would say I end up doing more complicated things in terms of body flying when I'm in the wind tunnel. What makes you good at it, right? Is it the body awareness? Is it just pure strength? Like what makes you good at it? There is definitely some presets, like my dancing background really helped me to move towards what I do nowadays mainly, which is called freestyle. If you watch a freestyle fly, it looks kind of like dance, um, dancing acrobatic moves. But I, I don't think, I've done a lot of sports in my life and I've never really been the most talented person. But when I was really into something, I've always been the most, like the hardest worker, right? So... Because I loved it so much when I started flying in a tunnel, like I've really put all my energy and time and effort into it. And I did a lot of work outside of the tunnel, not just the, the flying time itself to get better and watched a lot of videos. And, you know, <laughs> I was living and breathing it. The things to do outside, like for my discipline, you need to be strong and you need to be flexible and you need to have strength within the flexibility. And now when we get into the airflow and there's all these different directions and dimensions that we haven't tried before, all of that becomes a lot more complicated. Is this, is this a safe idea? Like I know it's safe, <laughs> but is it, is it safe, safe? Like, should we be doing this? In the tunnel or in the sky? <laughs> the tunnel seems perfectly safe, right? So I, I, mean, I would guess of the sky. You can get hurt in a tunnel too, but it's mainly like you're going to hit the walls or the net. And it's kind of the same kind of stuff if you're training something like trampolines or like sometimes yeah. you're just going to, yeah. But that's about it. In the sky, we can build a lot more speed. 
Um, and often I feel like if you're not a skydiver, you're going to be concerned about it's like, well, is the parachute going to open? Like that's what you're going to be worried about. Uh, what I would be worried about when I fly with other people is colliding to with the other people because we move fast. Right. And if we have opposite forces, you can actually hit each other in free fall with like a lot of power. Um, and it is not a moment when you want to get hurt or unconscious or something like that. So yeah, there's a lot of accidents that do happen during the free fall time. And you need to not only be capable of, you know, flying the things you want to fly, but there's also a bunch of rules about like, how can you, how are you allowed to approach a formation? How do we break off from the formation at the end of the skydive before we pull um, to just make it safer? Have you had any close calls? I've been knocked out once in free fall, um, which, yeah, this was a long time ago. And there was just a miscommunication. So again, like you usually plan the jump beforehand, you know, where you're supposed to be going, what you're doing, who are you looking at, where are the other people in that formation in relation to you? And yeah, something just kind of happened uh, mid jump. And there's this huge Norwegian dude who flew into me uh, and kicked me in the head. I had sunnies on under my helmet. The helmet has like a visor, but the visor basically slammed the, the sunnies and the sunnies broke. So I was pretty lucky that I didn't hurt my my iron yeah. whereas but i kind of i was like spaced off for a moment i remember opening my eyes realizing that no one's there and i just like um went and pulled my parachute and then figured out what had happened but i've definitely seen a lot of stuff um and it is risky and you should never forget that it is i am I've been jumping for a long time, but I would consider myself a pretty conservative skydiver because the way I see it is like, if I'm doubting if I should go for the next jump, whether it feels like too crazy of a plan for the skydive or the weather conditions are tricky or I'm tired and I don't feel like focused, no matter what the reason is why I'm doubting myself, I already know that I shouldn't go. And the worst case scenario is like, I'm going to lose that one skydive if I don't go and jump. But if I do go, worst case scenario is that it could be my last skydive. And if I already knew that there was a reason why I shouldn't go and jump, it's really dumb to just not respect the dangers of it. That's how I see it. Obviously, like I'm not entrenched in the sport. I only, you know, see the negative headlines every time something happens to a skydiver. Are people pushing it too much? Or do we just hear kind of about the incidents that happen occasionally. You would just hear about the incidents because as a sport, it's not really like a large audience sport. So people, you would never see headlines that have anything to do with anything else than accidents. Um, it's probably more dangerous for you to drive to work than it is for me to skydive. Now is, is body flying completely different than wingsuit flying? I don't base jump, which is when you're jumping off an object, not from ah. a plane, right? However, you can fly wingsuits out of a plane too, because often people mix like base jumping and wingsuit flying. They're not one thing. There's, you know, um, when you're wingsuiting, you're wearing this suit that adds a lot of surface area to your wing, to your body. And then now that's what you're controlling. 
So it obviously has a lot to do with body control because it's still your body that's moving the fabric, but it's also like the pressure of the air with the fabric that you need to take into consideration. It definitely helps if you have good foundation and just flying your body before you put a wingsuit on. Um, it can get a little bit sketchy if you don't know what you're doing. That seems like something that you would want to double check on. You yeah. know, you see the YouTube videos and things like that. And the thing that I always wonder about it is, is it an inherently dangerous thing or are people making it dangerous by like pushing that edge and I'm going to go as close to the ground or as close to the rock or body fly as far as I possibly can. See, cause that's like, now we can talk about two kinds of accidents. It's like, is the accidents that are actually an accident, right? So something that happened that just, it was just bad luck, which, you know, it, that can yeah. happen in anything. That's the car crashes too. But then it's like if you if you get wasted and you jump in your car and you start driving, like you're pushing your limits, no? Like you're pushing your your luck with that. So it would be the same with flying. Um, a lot of accidents happen because we need more. We want to go a little bit further. We want to try new things. Um, however, most people that do that kind of stuff that I know those people are willing to take the risk. So they understand the situation. They know that they're going a little bit too far and they can have that conversation before they jump off a cliff that this, this might be it. Uh, there's a big chance that this can go wrong. I know that I have zero margin of error and they're fine with that. Um, again, I think that's when you're way more adrenaline driven. So that's not, that's not my cup of tea at all. Uh, I think it's insane what people can do when it gets to that side of the sport, but it's different things that drive me or interest me. Is the wind tunnel aspect of it, is that relatively new? Uh, I've been flying for 10 years now. And within that, that time, like there was like only a handful of tunnels around the world. And now there's one in every city. So it's definitely getting bigger and bigger. There's more and more skydivers that fly in the wind tunnels there's a lot more non-skydivers that fly in the wind tunnels. And this has been a huge change because before, like when I started, like the only people that would put their money in wind tunnel flying were skydivers that just wanted to become better skydivers. And now there's like a whole generation of, of kids, for example, that they don't even necessarily ever want to skydive. So how fast is the wind going? Uh, it can go to like, I'm, I'm in kilometers, 300 Ks an hour. Depends so it's, about 100, it's like 150, 160, something like that. A little bit less maybe. Yeah, or more. No, I think a little bit more. But uh, yeah, it, it is yeah. more. Yeah, but you're right. You you're right. Basically, you can adjust the wind speed. Have you ever just cranked it all the way up to see what's going to happen? Yep. Yeah. Um, most of the tunnels don't really, like they don't have the kind of power that it would be impossible to fly in it. But yeah, for sure. If you're going to jump in now with no experience and we top, top it out, like I don't know if you're going to come out alive like the wind the power of the wind is crazy like you would not assume because like when you watch experienced flyer fly you don't really you, you just don't see it and we wear tight outfits so there's no movement of material or anything like that so you just it looks like i said it looks like floating but then i don't know if i would jump into the airflow in a baggy t-shirt you would go like oh wow like that's that's crazy how much the wind is actually throwing me and the t-shirt around 
Can I could I be seven foot three fifty and be an excel at this sport, or do I have to be like five four a hundred pounds? So you can learn to do all the same stuff, even if you're a bigger person. Uh, but for some things, like you're gonna move faster in the airflow when you're a little bit lighter, right? Because it's just it, it can just it's kind of like if you have an engine in a car and then depending on how much the car weighs right the faster physics you can go, is right physics exactly yeah. so if, it, if it's a lighter car you can drive faster with the same engine are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions i hope so <laughs> i don't know if this applies necessarily but how far can you go but it obviously depends on a how high do i exit from in a plane because then i have like the more time i have the further i can travel uh, but you can get a pretty good Clyde ratio out of it. Like like I said, you're looking down, you're looking at a map, and you can see yourself clearly moving for for you know a few miles. That's and a wingsuit, wow. you can move a lot. Yeah, I, I would imagine. Like, how high are you usually jumping from? Uh, like thirteen thousand, thirteen five. Wow, you really could go. Could you go higher? Or is that just that? That's just generally like that's where you're going to do it from. So from 15, we still jump without additional oxygen. If you go higher than that, or if you spend a long time around that altitude, like you need to have oxygen in the plane. So the highest jumps that we do in like learning environments and normal jumping would be 18,000 feet. Uh, and then for like the end bit of the plane ride, we, we breathe some oxygen hardest move to do uh, so <laughs> there is um my nemesis move is something that's a very typical move in the freestyle world it's a flip twist uh which you would see on trampolines or or any diving really um but when it starts getting into multiple rotations all of that it's just something that i've had a hard time with and uh in the tunnel we spoke of it's not really that dangerous, but it is scary because it's a small closed space and the walls are really close. And then sometimes in these kind of moves, like the flip twist, like you can create a drive into any direction. Um, and you just need to hope that either you're going to be able to stop it or the instructor who's taking care of your safety there standing at the door is going to be able to stop it before you smash the wall. Oh, so, because you're going to catch it. It's going to shoot you one way or another. Yeah. Right? And then like for your own orientation and knowing where you're at, they can be very confusing when you start adding rotations. Two part question, I guess. Is it a growing sport? And do you think it could ever become mainstream? Um, it is a growing sport. It definitely is like both like within the sport we're growing, but also I think that external interest towards our sport is growing. So within the time that I've been in the sport, like it was kind of, we didn't, you didn't get asked to perform to all these, like, like, I don't know, live events or movies or music videos or commercials or whatever it was as much as that happens now. And that kind of interest is there. However, I get a lot of contacts from all these kind of projects and a very teeny tiny bit of that ends up actually happening. And it's usually due to the limitations. Like it's hard to make it available for big audiences. 
because it is not something that you can, there is these wind tunnels that you can move around, but they're open air and they're a little bit like smaller and less powerful. Um, so that's a huge, huge thing of it. And before that problem is solved, I cannot really see the sport growing because you need the big audiences to be able to grow a sport. Yeah, that is kind of limiting, right? It's not like you yeah. can. Yeah. Just uh, and that would be of... the main problem that I end up facing when I get asked to. It's like, hey, we have this event. Like, could you please come and perform here? And then they're like, bring your tunnel. I'm like, it's not really something <laughs> that I can just like, like bring with me. It is a huge construction. It will take a few years to put one together. Um, it's Yeah. Isn't it a? Re- it's always amazing to me the things that people think before they actually like think about something. Like, what do you mean? Just bring the big fan. Bring the big fan. Roll my, it out there. Well, my favorite actually has been a situation where I was asked to come and perform in a TV show um, in Georgia, <laughs> the country Georgia. Um, oh, okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah. You and do then- kind of say it like. It's just Georgia. <laughs> like, no, oh, but, it, oh, but okay. it, it was so funny because we were having a long conversation about like the details of it and like, when am I going to come? What am I going to perform? And they had seen my videos. And then at the end of it, I'm like, well, what kind of wind tunnel do you guys have there? And they're like, what is that? I'm like, I cannot actually fly. Like <laughs> I do need a little bit of help for that part. Um, so yeah, that was the end of that. <laughs> I can just imagine like you emailing them or telling them that. And then the person you were corresponding with, then like telling their boss and the whole room of them being confused. Like what? What's she talking about? <laughs> like, yeah, it was pretty. What, is she, what does she mean? She needs a wind tunnel. <laughs> Should you have won America's Got Talent? <laughs> uh, a good question. I think if I should have won it, I probably would have. Right. What a great diplomatic answer. <laughs> what a great, great. I never I never really went there for for me it was just a great opportunity to be able to bring my sport out there. So I didn't have any form of expectation that it would get somewhere in that sense. When I'll, I'll tell you this when somebody suggested this topic to us and then I looked you up and I saw that video I was like holy crap. <laughs> that's really that's impressive. Right? It's, like, it's pretty surreal when you see it, like, especially if you don't know anything about the sport. If you've never, like, flown a tunnel or you've, best case scenario, you've never skydived or didn't know that there's free fall, you know, that we do something in free fall and skydiving. Because often we just see the canopies. And then I I wish that I could still get the experience that I could walk into a wind tunnel and see someone fly for the first time without understanding that at all. Because it must be insane to watch. Best skydiving or body flying scene in a movie or TV show? Oh no! <laughs> uh, I have to. I don't. I'm not going to name any because I, in general, they're really painful to watch. Most of them are just not realistic. Like there's more and more movies that they're actually using proper like stunt flyers, and it's done actually skydiving and not like I don't know, but. The free fall part takes way too long and there's all these, they have weird equipment on and they're talking to each other in free fall and things like this that I like, that's just, that's not true. It doesn't happen like that. You watch the landings and it's all like fake. So a lot of that is kind of painful to watch. You're not talking about point break, are you? (laughs) 
better not be bad mouth and point blank <laughs> on this show. But something that's really cool about wind tunnel flying actually, and this is what I've done a little bit is that you don't have to use it for filming a skydiving scene. So what I've actually done is like uh, motion capture, but for fighting scenes, because you can do so many crazy things in the airflow that are really hard to actually shoot with like traditional stunt means. Uh, Cause like, I remember the first time that I was working for mocap project and they asked me, like, can you do two flips in a row? I'm like, well, I can do, I can do 200 if you want me to, like, I can just keep going. Um, I can walk on the walls. Like I can, all those things where you see in the movies when people are like running on the wall or running up the wall and throwing flips out of it. Like for me, that's like super easy and effortless to do. Uh, and then if you think of the setup that you would have to have to film it with normal stunt means. So I, I hope fingers crossed because I love working like this, that there's going to be more of this kind of use um, for flying in movies. Best piece of body flying lingo. Do you think that anyone will ever be able to jump out of a plane and just land on the ground? Depends on what you jump out of the plane with. Like without I, a parachute. I, really. Without a parachute, but still. Um yes, someone will do it eventually with like a wingsuit or something like this. I mean, you've seen the the Jetman stuff, for example, and they're able right. to take off all of that. But even with wingsuits, like people are able to basically like, because we never go up in free fall, right? Right. If yeah. we could go up, that means that we could land without a parachute. But even with some of the wingsuits, like people are able to basically slow down their fall rate so much that they, they're going to zero. Um, so yeah, it will happen. It's just a matter what, of time and, and someone deciding to make the commitments. What? Yeah, that's that's the hard part, right? Yeah. What's what's kind of like, what's the reason that people can't do it right now? They're falling too fast. Like you can't slow yeah. down enough before hitting the ground. Yeah, exactly. That would be the, the issue. Is that the downward trajectory or the outward trajectory? Like it's they're the going downward too- because what we actually do um, under canopy is that we do something and we, we call it well, like a turning the canopy for the landing. So we do a turn and we pick up a little bit more speed from that turn because we start diving like with our canopy. And then at the bottom of that turn, we basically start translating that dive into forward speed. And this is um, a very comfortable way of landing. Like this is what we're actually trying to do. So instead of like us moving down and landing from that downward energy, we're trying to move forward. Um, so yeah, it's definitely the going down bit that needs to be controlled. That's one of those things. It doesn't seem like you're getting the second chance, right? Yeah. Like what's the future of it? You know, within the sport, there's a lot of talk about, we tried to get to the Olympics and all of this, and there's like big dreams. I'm sure it's going to happen at some point, but are not sure that's going to happen at some point. I'm sure that we're going to grow, but I think there's a lot of steps to take before something like this. It is a small sport. Um, but I think we have a good community with competitions and all of that, that might be interesting to the bigger audience in the future. But I think the future is in, all of these things that I've been talking about, like kind of everything that has entertainment value. 
I think that's going to be like flying is going to be more attractive to the bigger audience as a form of entertainment that it is as a competition because it's confusing to watch right now like if you go and like you don't know what you're looking at you're watching the competition yeah. it's like oh well they're flying but like you cannot really grasp a lot of it but you don't need to know how to dance to be able to appreciate a dance performance or you don't need to be able to sing to be able to you know listen to that and and enjoy it then hopefully through that then slowly the interest to the sport side of uh, flying is going to grow as well. I want to thank Inka so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media sites. We're profoundly pointless on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. And we have also included her information in the episode description. Okay, now let's go ahead, bring in John Shaw, and get to the pointless part of the episode. Do you feel like you have learned lessons in life or do you make the same mistake over and over and over again? Um, I, you know, I, I'd like to think that I learn. Like, I think I learn the important things, which is relative to each person. Like for me, I, I, I know, you know, to flush twice. This is the lesson that you feel like you have learned in life. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if that's your honest answer then no, you haven't learned from your mistakes. Well, I mean, what 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 are the real lessons that, I mean, if you think about it, wh- what are the real lessons to learn? Don't kill somebody or don't commit a, a violent crime. Okay. I don't feel like that's a lesson that people need to learn. I mean, you should know that from the very beginning. What are what are the lessons? Don't don't uh, don't trust people who only have one eye. I mean, I don't know. I do feel like an eye patch makes you a little bit skeptical. <laughs> I think it's just a stereotype handed down by movies like Pirates of the Caribbean and other pirate-related movies that I'm generally not going to trust somebody with an eye patch that doesn't have anything to do with any person that I've ever met. I mean, I feel like everything is just human instinct that I've learned. Like, what have I actually learned? It's kind of depressing. I mean, when you put it that way, I don't know if you've, like, touched on a point about humanity or, like... <laughs> You're a dumb shit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like you're a different shit that hasn't learned anything. Is so, but it, when you when I think about it, like, well, what lessons have I learned in my life? Well, nothing really. I know I shouldn't procrastinate, but I still do it. Like, I guess. God dang it! This, we're going into the holiday season. This was supposed to be, like, we're supposed to be getting uplifted, being joyful, and we've basically realized we haven't. <laughs> I mean, you, you asked the question and I just looked deep inside and realized I don't really know what I've learned. Okay. All right. Well, let's just, let's, let's just not self-reflect and let's just move on from this as fast as possible. How about we, what, okay. At what point in the holidays do you mentally basically just check out and wait for the new year? If it's putting up Christmas lights, there's zero effort. I think, I don't think there's something that I despise more than putting up holiday lights. Why are you not? What's the problem with it? There's multiple problems. One, you know, you have to wait until after uh, after Thanksgiving, obviously. And that's a that's a that's a debate. But listen, you don't put Christmas lights up before Thanksgiving. That just makes no sense. Generally, what I have done is the weekend after Thanksgiving is when I'm going to go ahead and put up my Christmas lights. Now, this year, I did do it a little bit earlier because I was like, fuck that. I need some festivus. <laughs> I need some festive festive feelings right now. So I put them up early. Yeah. I, and I was okay with it, man. I was pretty much okay with putting them up early. And something that I noticed is that my neighbors also put it up early. 
I think that the day, the weekend after Thanksgiving is the traditional start of putting up Christmas decorations, but people are more than willing to do it earlier if they get the societal signal that it's okay to do it. I, I think all my neighbors were, were this past weekend, the, the holiday weekend. Uh, I did not go out there for, for, like I said, there's a few reasons. One, it's a pain in the ass. If you put up inflatables, don't you have like 40 inflatables or something ridiculous at your house? I mean, I haven't counted them, but I'm sure there's at least at least two dozen, if if not closer to four dozen, like for real. That's so fucking ridiculous. And here's the thing. <laughs> you have that many inflatable things in front of your house. He, he, he used to come up and he would put them up. And then I'm the one who has to be responsible for taking them down in February in Michigan when it's you know, 10 degrees out on a good day. Sounds like an overall lack of effort. Okay. You go out there, you use the back end of a hammer, you get the pin, you pull it out, put your back into it. You can't be go through your rest of your life afraid of a little physical labor. Okay. How, how, how many, inflatables, how many inflatables do you have? None. Exactly. Try- Out- none outside the house. Oh, they're all in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, oh, why would I get it? I I, look, I'm going to go ahead and say this right now. You should be limited to five inflatables in front of your house. There's no reason that if you cross more than having five, five inflatable Christmas decorations in front of your house, you're like, people will look at it and be like, wow, that guy's really into Christmas, but they're going to, you're starting to become the weird Christmas guy. Okay. If you go past five, you're pushing it. You got to pick five of them, put only five out. I have ones that are. 15 feet long i have ones that are 12 feet tall i mean putting them in and taking them down is is a process it's not just pulling a pin out it's deflating the the fucking things and then they're see now i'm getting angry because just oh wait do they all run on like they all are they all running on electricity yes how many things do you have plugged it what what are you doing over there (laughs) so you've got like how many five thing outlets just to plug it's oh my god, dude! Are you you have to be blowing out the circuits at your house? Now here's the thing. So my father-in-law, because he is an electrician, came up with this mm. this box that that basically has a, a dozen you know outlets, and and it also connects to obviously a regular outlet, and it has a you know it has a conductor and a surge protector. That way you don't blow out your you know your house or or the whole the whole block, the whole city for that matter. God, I mean, you do live in Detroit. I honestly feel like your number of inflatables could <laughs> cause a blackout in the whole city. That's ridiculous, man. I, all right, yeah, That's, I, yeah. Anyways, so, wow. so besides that, I, I'm usually pretty festive. Don't tell that story to people about how many inflatables. I, we need to see a picture of your house. Well, it's December. This is our first episode of December. So, what's the candle of the month? So it's pretty easy for for the first. Uh, for Christmas, you gotta have something Christmas smelling, right? So they're very, right. they're very basic scents. You know, get some pine, maybe like a pine candle. That's those are always fantastic. Maybe something with like, uh, I like cinnamon. Something cin, cin- well, something cinnamony. I don't know if I said that right, but you get what I'm trying to say. No, uh, I, they they I'm also gonna, have. I'm gonna leave you alone about it. Yeah, thank you. They also have other candles that are kind of fun, like uh, like elves shoes. Which, uh, you know, it's more of a gag candle, but those are kind of fun. Uh, and also I found that like an, an apple pie candle sometimes smells pretty good. 
Why would someone buy elves? Sho- what does elves shoes smell like? Uh, kind of like a lavender. Um, I just cannot believe it. Right. Like the person that you have become in your life where you've got you, you're, I, I'm fine with you being like this into candles. That's your thing. But when you describe them as fun, <laughs> that's where I start to worry about you and wonder what has become yeah. of the man that you used to be. I mean, uh, yeah, I got, I got nothing. I got, I, I guess, lesson learned. Don't uh, don't become me as you get older. There's a life lesson for all you listeners out there, especially right. especially you young men out there. <laughs> right. For you guys that are 20 to 25 <laughs> and you think you're cool shit right now, this is what your future is. Yeah, that's This is what your future is. You're going to be talking about fun candle scents <laughs> and the best way to plug in inflatables outside of your house. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. This is not what we as a species were supposed to be. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> we were supposed to be something, and this is what we have become. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm going to stop uh, okay. looking inside here. Yeah, let's go to some shout-outs. Yeah, thank God. People who deserve us talking about them. Uh, all right, we'll start with uh, Will Fornuff. Appreciate you. Uh, Ariel Leon. Aaron Carter. But not the Aaron Carter, I don't think. Uh, Nick Falter. Man, <laughs> that life hit that dude hard. <laughs> oh, yeah, it did. <laughs> right? Damn. Yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. did. Uh, Elijah Norris. Uh, John Brigsby. Brenda Davies. Mattia Dosi. And Tina C. Appreciate all of you. Tina C, like Tina, T-I-N-A space C, like C could be the initial of her last name, or is C actually spelled out? Uh, C is actually spelled out. How do you spell it? C-E-E, S-E-A, S-E-E? C-E-E. Oh, that's not the spelling that I, that's the one spelling I couldn't anticipate. Interesting. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. Uh, so, kind of keeping with the uh, the Christmas theme, you know, the the December going into Christmas. Uh, this one's pretty simple: uh, real Christmas tree or a fake Christmas tree? Fake Christmas tree for me because I don't personally give a shit. I don't have a sense of smell. I can't smell the damn thing. All I'm looking at is like, all right. So wait a minute. I can pay forty bucks every single year for this Christmas tree, and then I got to clean it up, and then I got to find some place to throw it away, or I can pay sixty bucks for this thing. And just take it out of the bag in the basement and put it up. Yeah, that's an easy choice for me. <laughs> that's I'm going fake all day long. I, I was I was a diehard real Christmas tree. You know, go out there and cut down your own Christmas tree and blah blah blah. And then because of the pandemic last year, we uh, we kind of canceled those plans, um, and we got a fake Christmas tree. And I don't know what I was missing. There's a life lesson. There's a life lesson. Always get a fake Christmas tree because uh, for reasons you just mentioned. I cannot, in my mind, see you swinging an axe. Like I can't even envision what that would look like. Oh, it's, well, first of all, you don't. I'm not swinging an axe. I'm I'm cutting it down with a handsaw. Right, and that's your fucking problem. 
Well, I mean, how are you supposed to swing an axe when, I mean, you know the angle you Like have a to... man. Oh, okay, all right. Like a man. Have you ever? That's how you swing it. You don't go. How many trees have you cut down in your life? Oh, a couple, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I actually legitimately know how to cut down a tree, like the right way to do it with a chainsaw, how you cut one side and then cut the other two sides in the not talking kind about... of like the wedge shape. I'm not talking about a chainsaw. Yeah. I'm talking about with an axe. How many times have you hit, hit a tree with an axe? I've actually chopped a tree down with an axe yeah i've chopped the tree down with an axe too okay george Motherfucker, you want to whip them out let's measure let's measure <laughs> no, right now i don't want to see who's i don't let's see let's see who's right listen i, I don't i don't <laughs> i've chopped an axe. <laughs> yeah yeah i have swung an axe i used I to be able to bench 45 all right leave me alone well, right yeah well, I would do that without a warm-up, and I got a monster truck. <laughs> I got a monster truck. I mean, listen, you're the- That's a good top five. You're the guy- That's a good top five. Way, ways men measure their dicks without measuring them. You're the guy good who talks five. about his calves. You're the guy who talks about his pretend <laughs> motorcycle. First of all, my motorcycle gets brought up. Second of all, my calves are fantastic. Uh, th- this is more of a question than an if or or or, or there or whatever or an if if or an and or an or. Fenor, uh, <laughs> I don't. I might be having a stroke. Um, how many? <laughs> say you're an average, uh, average, just you know, person. Uh, how many Christmas gifts are okay for Christmas to receive and give? How old? Well, it depends how old you are. Okay, well, right we'll, now, I, we'll say a child, and then we'll say a thirty-five-year-old person. For a child, like when you're talking about ten and under, five to ten is acceptable, and you can have a pretty big range in there because you can get them like a lot of crap mm-hmm. and not spend very much money on like that age of a kid, right? Sure. Like you can get them a truck and a car and that kind of stuff. I think that number decreases as you get older. Once you hit the teenage years, five to seven. Okay. And as an adult, probably three to five would be an acceptable number from family, from immediate family or significant others, right? Anybody, you should not be getting extended family anything more than one gift i'm I'm comfortable with five to ten for for kids uh i mean i mean i guess we're gonna say teens uh, i mean i would still probably say the same number for teens i mean i you know five to ten i'm, I'm okay with i mean unless you're fucking them buy you know buying them a playstation 5 for 600 bucks uh you know yeah but well there's definitely a money cap on there right i would say for like kids zero to ten Two to three hundred tops max. I don't care if you're Bill fucking Gates, two to three hundred dollars. Teens, I could go up to five. And then adults, I think you could go up to, like, if you're talking about significant others, I could go up to a thousand. See, for adults, I'm I, there, there's really no limit to me because, you know, uh, to me, it's more about the count. Like, you know, my wife better not be expecting. 14 presents because you know she's going to be getting one thing that might be expensive and a pair of socks like it's just the way it is and and everyone else in my life you're getting fucking gift cards because that's what you give adults that's what you give adults you give adults gift cards unless you know specifically exactly what they want and have shown and have either emailed a link 
to it <laughs> or shown you an exact picture with a description of it, you should not be buying people. I don't understand people who buy people clothes that like that's that's a hard thing. You can't buy people clothes. I mean, I, I don't really know people who buy other people clothes other than, you know, aunts, uncles. My mother got me the same two pairs of khaki pants <laughs> every fucking year from since I was like five years old. And she's buying like a f- eight year old, like 3430s. Like, what are you? <laughs> You'll grow into them. <laughs> Wow, that was really funny. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, you know, my my current event, apparently, uh, robots can now reproduce. The Xenobots are now able to reproduce. And it's kind of scary when you really think about it. Um, well, couldn't they always reproduce? Like, couldn't one robot just make another robot? Like, couldn't you design a robot to make robots? It's not like they're having but, robot sex and having a baby. No, but what they're doing now is they can literally attach themselves to cells and they can link the cells up, which creates more robots. It's, it's kind of, kind of crazy to think about that. They can like mutate, uh, you know, and and attach themselves to different cells. These Xenobots. This is my rant about society. I feel like that we have now entered the phase of our society in which we need to really start thinking about if we should do things. Before, it was always a good idea. Like, should we invent this car? Yeah, we should probably be able to get around pretty quickly. That's a good idea. And now we've entered the phase of society in which we really need to start thinking of, like, should we do that? Like, yeah, we can go ahead and we can make it so that you can design your the sex of your child and pick it or design certain characteristics. Like, we can do that. Should we do that? And I don't feel like we're asking the question of should nearly enough, and we're just fucking doing it. And that's going to come back on us. Listen, I, I gave up when I heard that Michael Strahan's going to space, all right? Why is Michael Strahan going to space? Because he can. Are you serious? Yeah. I'm. De- I'm I- but, like, who invited him? Uh, I should probably have these facts instead of just blurting out something I heard on the morning news. He's going with Alan Shepard's daughter. Who the hell is that? Alan Shepard, man, like one of the most famous astronauts ever. No. Uh, okay, what's like how many people right now? How many people honestly right now? What percentage of our audience do you think is hearing Alan Shepard's daughter and seeing what she looks like if she's hot or not? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say 80% of our male audience is like Googling Alan Shepard's daughter hot or not. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, he was the first American to ever travel into space, I think. Could be wrong. Uh, anyways, big um, AS. There uh, looks like he's going to be going into orbit December 9th on uh, blue one of the Blue Origin uh, spacecrafts. So one of uh, is that the best we can? Is that the best like their PR team can do? Is Michael Strahan? <laughs> like we should have been able to honestly think about this. <laughs> we should have been able to send more famous. One of these companies should have been able to send a more famous well, person to space. <laughs> like who have we sent to space? William Shatner and Michael Strahan. <laughs> Nobody could see if Tom Hanks or like Denzel Washington or Ronaldo was in for going. Like we can only get the D and C listers <laughs> to go to space. Let, let, That's what's ridiculous about it. Get some really famous people up there. So, so she's going because Bezos or somebody on his team named the spacecraft the Shepard capsule. 
I don't know why he's going, but he is quoted as saying to be one of just 600 humans to cross into space. I don't even know how this is possible. Yeah, Michael, we have no idea how it's possible either. Send George Bush. You know how funny it would be to see George Bush go in a rocket? That'd be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Wait, is it JB? No, GB. <laughs> Wait, no, that's Jeff. That some people are Jeff with a G. Yeah, Jeff can be a J or a, or a G. Then why can't George be a J or a G? Because if Jeff can be a G or a J, why can't George be a J or a, a G? I'm not, I'm not. I'm not really sure. I understand what you're saying, but uh... if Jeff, which is a J-sounding name, can also be a G, why can't George, which is a G-sounding name, also be a J? <laughs> no idea. Think about it. So our top five is something that is near and dear to John's heart because whenever we talk about top five lists, John is always mentioning something about a stranded island or being stranded. It's just kind of ridiculous how much he always wants to talk about being stranded in certain places. But our top five is top five places you wouldn't want to be stranded. What's your number five? <laughs> uh, so my number five is uh, in the middle of a barn. What? Why? Well, for one, you're going to be on a farm, which is terrible. And one, it's going to, or two, it's going to smell like shit. You're going to have animals that you don't know how to maneuver around that are going to just ruin your day. And it's a farm. They're in pens. Have you ever been to an actual barn? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure I ever have, to be honest. It's not what you think. It's not just like a building with all the animals fucking roaming around willy nilly. I'm, I'm just they're in pens, I'm, man. I'm just saying if 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 someone was to say, hey, we're dropping you here and you have to figure how to get out and blah, blah, blah. I would not want to be stranded a barn? inside a barn. Open the door. And walk out. No, I'm good. There you go. I'm good, man. I, I'm good. I'm good with. Nope. I'm going to pass on barns, man. Don't like them. Don't need them. What an interesting choice. Okay. Yep, I'm good, man. Uh, mine is a music festival in summertime. That's to me, is one of the worst places on earth. Is a music festival, like a three or four day long, week long music festival in the middle of summer, where it's just, it's fun for about 10 minutes. <laughs> and then you're just hot and drunk and broke and miserable. Yeah. A music festival in summertime sounds awful to be placed to be stranded. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Uh my number no, four. Um I, I wouldn't want to be stranded in like a like a tight enclosed space, like a like a closet or an elevator. You know what I mean? I need space because if I don't have space, I'm gonna freak out. Okay, my number four is an airport. Specifically an international airport, just because I wouldn't really know like what's going on as much. But I wouldn't want to be trapped in an airport. Uh, I mean, stranded in an airport. I wouldn't want to be stranded in an airport. But I, I don't. I mean, that, that doesn't bother me. That's like the barn thing to me. Like I don't understand why it's on your list. But uh, okay, that's fine. My number three, uh, which okay, all right, all right. which I have uh, in the in the middle of a desert, would not want to be stranded in a mm. desert. Hmm. That's actually okay. Okay. I have that a little bit higher. Uh, my number three is uh, stranded at an arguing couple's home. 
Yeah, yeah. It w- yeah. Would it be worse yeah. for, for a couple <laughs> that you didn't know or a couple that you did know? What would be more awkward? Well, I think the I, honestly, I would think that the couple that you did know would be more awkward because if you didn't know them, you'd be kind of interested in trying to figure out like, oh, what's going on here? And you always know one. You're always slightly better friend slash closer with one person in a couple than you are the other. For sure. And so that person would try to like recruit you or identify with you a little bit. Like you're going to get roped into this. Uh, my number two is uh, a prison. I would not want to be stranded in a prison. So basically be in prison. <laughs> right. <laughs> Essentially. You kind of, okay. All right. I think I understand that. Uh, my number two is a desert. Okay. Just for obvious reasons. Most, yeah. Yeah, for obvious reasons. Um, the reason that it separates, if I can give my two and then my number one, the reason that I put Desert 2 and being underwater as number one is because the desert, like, you're probably going to die, but you might get out of there. Like, if you're stranded underwater, you're just waiting to die. There's nobody's coming for you, and you're not getting out of there. So, so my number one, I put in the middle of the ocean. Um, mm. not underwater per se, but you know, uh, just kind of floating out in the middle of the ocean, just stranded would not want to, would never want to do that. Okay. With no survival skills whatsoever, which one do you think that you could escape from being stranded in the middle of a desert or being stranded in the middle of the ocean? Like, where do you think that you could possibly fare better? <laughs> Neither. Um, I, I'm going to say the desert, though, because I'm not the biggest fan of of, of the water in terms of being, like, in it or on it. And, uh, man, could you imagine once the sun goes down, being stranded in the middle of, like, an ocean um, where all you have is the night sky to illuminate whatever? Nope. No, thank you. Well, dude, that's the same as the desert, man. It's not like there's streetlights in the desert. But at least, like, I, I can, well, at least I can maybe see what's around me. And, you know, you can only. See- oh, I see what you're saying. That makes sense. Yeah, okay. You can't see All what's right. 20 feet underneath you about to bite you. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. I wonder which one you would actually, like, die faster. Probably the desert would actually kill you because the heat would like take it out of you more. I I think st- oh I say this with no with no, no real statistics, but from the stories that we hear, it sounds like people have lasted a long time in the ocean and survived. You don't hear about too many people that go missing in the desert or whatever that end up surviving. But they're usually like on some sort of like they've gotten onto a raft with survival stuff on it. Right. I don't feel like they have that in the desert. Yeah, that's right. Like you don't carry the emergency survival desert kit. (laughs) No, because I don't think there is one. I don't even know where you would start. Yeah. So I guess you would probably fare better dropped off in the middle of the, the ocean. You at least live longer. I think so. Yeah. Probably just fall off the raft and die. <laughs> Not big. Yeah, man. It's better than being eaten by a camel. Or <laughs> I don't know if camels eat people, but I bet they would if they got really hungry. Uh, okay. All right. Do you have anything in your honorable mention? Uh, I put the woods, uh, an island, uh, medieval times. 
Oh, like trapped in the past? Yeah. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. I think we'd probably do okay, right? Like we could – well, that's the problem, right? It's not like we could wow people by going back in time and designing something. Like I don't know how to make even the simplest of technologies. I mean, yeah. What, what, right? Like you could, you could go back in time and you could be the only person in ancient Rome with a gun. Right, but I don't know how to make it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, are they going to be impressed with my speaking? No, it's just going to be a foreign language. Right. Like, are, yeah, you don't really know how to do anything that those people would be talking about. Unless you were an engineer, that would be the only – you'd have to be basically a blacksmith would be the only way to really impress people by going back in time. And even then, they probably had blacksmiths. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not like you know – you'd have to go back with that technology. Yeah, yeah, like you're going to send me back and I'm going to show you how to build a fire? That's not going to happen. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, please leave a review. It really helps us out. We really appreciate it. And also let us know what are some places that you would not want to be stranded. I don't think anybody else is going to say a barn. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.